Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another very special Monday episode here from the Epic Film Guys podcast. I am Nick, not joined by Justin, not joined by the God of Podcasting, and I didn't even open the soundboard, so that's my really weak, piss-poor Colby Mac Howell. Colby, I am so sorry. I'm going to I'm gonna shut up now. And welcome, Brad, from the cinema, guys. It's his fault. He made me do it. I did. I did. You were close, although... No, no, you weren't. That was no Colby at all. It was not even remotely okay. <laughs> that was the worst thing anybody has has ever. And like my voice cracked because I'm going to turn 40 years old, but I'm still, you know, hitting puberty. I've been just hitting, hitting puberty, puberty for like 25 years now. But I feel um, like I feel like I'm a I'm a regular now. You bring me in for bad movies and sometimes good movies. All these anniversaries. We got all these anniversaries. <laughs> you know what? I love chatting movies with you. You're fun to chat movies with, and it's 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 always just a really really good time. Brad, of course, is from the Cinema Guys, and I'll get a burger, which he does with his wife Kara, and he's also taking part in the EFG Fitness Challenge, which you should be taking part in right now because by the time this episode comes out, you'll still have like two more weeks until my birthday. All you got to do is 40 miles, technically only 35, and then the five and then the 8K, the five miles yeah. at the end. That's easy, easy, easy peasy. That's easy. You've been crushing it. You've been walking the dog a lot in the heat having a great trying yeah today today the dog did not like the heat at all the dog was like uh no i'm stopping right here (laughs) like okay we'll go home carry me the rest of the way (laughs) (laughs) oh my lord so as usually whenever whenever brad and i will sit down to do some anniversaries you know he'll actually pitch one to me that's not on the list of anniversaries that i even knew about because i just kind of called through a couple of different lists and grabbed stuff that I thought that I would like to talk about or that I knew about, but then he'll throw these little gems at me that I've never heard of before, such as the case with this movie. Brad, what are we talking about in this little retrospective? Yeah, this this one, we are going to talk about The Big Red One. It is a movie that came out in 1980, so it's celebrating 40 years. <laughs> Can't believe that. But it's a World War II movie um, about... The big Your red typical one. war movie story, a ragtag bunch of guys on, you know, a couple missions and they have, you know, the the old commander who's been through a lot and he's like the gruff, rough guy. <laughs> and then you have the younger kids. Yeah, gruff, so, gruff and rough is right because they got no none other than Lee goddamn Marvin to play yes. the sergeant <laughs> who looks all of like. He was 54 when this movie was shot. He looks like he's in his mid 80s. He does. He does. He, looks, he, he takes he off looks his old. helmet and his hair is like a bright white color. <laughs> like it looks like they seriously wheeled his ass out of a retirement home every scene. <laughs> but yeah, this, this is a movie that I, I I knew you were a fan of war films, and this is one of my favorites. So I pitched it over and said, "This is hitting 40 years this year. Have you ever seen it?" And you're like, "No." Not at all. Let's do it. It also stars Mark Hamill. Yes. Who, uh, before the car accident, so this came out in 1980, same year as Empire Strikes Back, but this was filmed pretty much, pretty right after, pretty much right after A New Hope, because, yeah, yeah his face is still not uh, not all, you know, messed up from the car accident and whatnot. So it was really good to see a, a very young Mark Hamill in this movie. Although, uh, if I'm going to be honest about it, the movie doesn't give him a whole lot to do. No, really. not really. And and you get you get like those faces that I'm so used to seeing him in Star Wars 
so many times that there's a lot of like his his reactions to things i'm like oh that's i'm just waiting for him to yell out like no (laughs) (laughs) that's not true (laughs) that's impossible my lord in heaven but uh, also starring robert carradine bobby DeCiso, DeKiko, whatever (laughs) and kelly ward i guess is rounding out rounding out our, our kind of our kind of little squad and then of course like i said the rest of them kind of rotate through because it's always the the joke of the the newbies come in just to die so to speak yeah earlier this year i talked briefly on the show about another old war movie that celebrated 50 years in Patton, which you know starred george c scott who another grizzled old actor in a war movie so who looked probably older than what he really was when they came out pretty i just think the uh you know, the years back then, like years weren't kind to the more important thing is, actors. I mean, at least he was playing a general in that movie. So it made more <laughs> yeah, sense true, that he was true. older, uh, you know, for Marvin to be playing a sergeant in the movie who's still going to be active in the field with his squad is like, no, it, no, <laughs> like it just doesn't <laughs> it just does not really feel like. Al- no. Although he's I mean, he's still active in the field, but. I mean, the movie starts out with him in World War One. Yep. So it's you know twenty four years later, he still looks eighty in World War One. It's true. And then <laughs> you okay, move ahead twenty four years. Seventies, maybe in his late seventies. <laughs> but uh, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, I'm gonna pitch it over to you first before I get into any any of my thoughts about the movie because you said this is one of your favorite movies. So when yes. did you first see this movie? Did, or like you know, did you first see this movie? I can't imagine you first saw it like when it came out because you would have been what four or five years old at the time. Yeah. I, would have been around probably around five when it came out i can't imagine you saw it when it first came out but why is this one of your favorite war movies ever well this this is a movie like growing up my dad i mean he was a big fan of john wayne so we either had john wayne westerns on or a war movie whatever war movie was on you know on the weekends and this is a movie that that played a lot on tv and my dad liked it, so it would always, whenever he saw it on, it would play. So at a very young age, I saw it whenever it was on TV, and I, I watched it quite a few times. So I have those memories of just, oh, I remember this scene, or I remember this scene. And then when I got older, I was like, oh, that movie. I remember this, the big red one. That's that movie that I watched when I was a kid. So then I re- rewatched it. Remembering most of it, the big one that sticks to me is the the tanks where they ride right over them. Yep. And and Lee Marvin also in the movie, I always, as a kid, thought he was the coolest. Like he was like my grandpa, like this gruff, you know, hard nosed. I had a grandpa like almost like this that it reminded me of him. So seeing this movie, it was just like, oh, it's like grandpa's in in this war movie that i love so (laughs) (laughs) but i always thought i always thought lee marvin was cool when i was a kid even though you know he looks like he's 80 i just thought he was like the the cool guy you know like one of my only frames of reference (laughs) for lee marvin is is the simpsons episode where they do the paint your wagon song it's the old (laughs) like my my main frame of reference whenever i think about lee marvin and then Homer's like, oh, here comes Lee Marfin. He's always drunk and violent. <laughs> <sighs> so whenever I see Lee Marvin in a movie, that's kind of what my brain always goes back to for whatever reason. What the hell's going on in my town? <laughs> 
that's 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 it that's all i got that's, that's the that's the whole thing that's <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know where to go from after that like exactly he, well grab a brush I mean, and join in he's not he's not drunk in this this film that we know of yeah true <laughs> could have been behind the scenes maybe he just maybe just carried it really well but yeah yeah i mean basically i had a lot of fond memories watching this quite a few times and then just really appreciated it when i watched it when i got older so this is this is a movie and, and i bring up Patton specifically because this is kind of shot this was also shot in the 70s of course you know so it it, it plays like a war movie that's shot in the 70s yeah wherein it feels you mentioned westerns and, and things like that it feels like it's kind of a, a blend of the two genres where it's a lot slower than a modern war movie. Modern war oh, movies yes, yes. are very frenetic. They're, they put the camera in the trenches. They put the camera right there with the troops moving up the beaches, doing all this different stuff. In this, it's a lot more static shots. It's a lot more static camera setups where you're watching troops basically run left to right or right to left. You're watching yeah. tanks. Like even you get a lot of great close-ups of a lot of great military hardware in this, especially the tanks. I really, really appreciated a lot of that stuff. I really love that kind of stuff. But it plays out. It's it's one of those things where if you're if you're somebody who has the nostalgic attachment to it, you're going to come to it and you're going to at least recognize enough good things about it. Or if you're somebody who mm-hmm. just appreciates movies or war movies in general, you're going to like enough of those kinds of things about it to come away with it with sort of a positive experience. If you're somebody who's never seen it and you're visiting it for the first time as you're about to turn forty, as it is about to turn forty, yeah, it's it's just it's a really it plays like a really old slow war movie because that's what it is. I that, mean, that, that's yeah, not that's to exactly its detriment, what it is. but it is a very, it is very, very much a movie of its time. And it, it definitely feels like, again, not to its detriment. And it, it's not that there aren't good things about the movie, but if it's your first time visiting this movie, and I would encourage people to watch it if for nothing else than to see a young Mark Hamill basically not doing a whole lot of anything <laughs> the biggest the biggest thing that i think and, and the good thing that you you can see when you watch a movie like this or when you watch a movie like a Patton or an older war movie like this is you can see where modern war directors like directors of modern war films you can see where they drew inspiration from these kinds of films from and you can see the things that they took from these kinds of films and made them into things that are better one of the things that i thought of a lot when i thought of this because the really it, it concentrates on that on that four man squad on that little four man squad, like the rest of those riflemen who are left over in that little company and the Sergeant, like that's really all it focuses on. So I immediately think of things like a saving private Ryan or like a band of brothers where it spends a lot of time letting us get to know the soldiers. And then it puts them into war situations where they're in more danger and things like that. So it actually, there's a sense of tension. There's a sense of stakes, this isn't a movie that's necessarily concerned with that. It kind of gives us a very throwaway, like one sentence description of each character as we meet them in the beginning of the movie. And then that's really like, there are very, very small scenes peppered in of like a minute, like just a hot minute of like two characters having the briefest exchange. And then they are on to the next thing. Cause this follows the first infantry division, all the way from North Africa, all the way through to Germany at the end of the war. So it's got a lot of historical ground to cover. Yeah. In that whole in that whole time frame, which is I mean, this is ambitious, but it's also, as we know, and I was talking to you a little bit before we recorded about it, 
this isn't exactly what Fuller had in mind. Fuller, who wrote and directed the film, this is autobiographical. This is based on Samuel Fuller's own experiences in World War II, in part. So there is a reconstructed version of this that was done by a film historian. This was after Fuller had passed away. That's almost an hour longer, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's close to three hours, and it definitely fleshes, uh, gives you more of those characters throughout. For me, like growing up as a, a big fan of this movie, when the reconstruction came out, I was like, oh, okay, I want to see this longer version. And to me, it just felt overly long and, and really dragged. So I know a lot of people say it's closer to his vision, but I, I prefer the shorter version more. I wonder there's probably somewhere along the way, there's probably a happy medium somewhere where you get like a 2.30 or 2 hour 40 minute cut of this maybe, and it would just probably be just about perfect. But I think it really misses that with, especially with these characters. I mean, even with the Sergeant, even with Marvin's character, you really only get a very brief sequence of him at the beginning of the movie in world war one, very, very, very brief sequence of him killing a, a German, not realizing that the armistice had already been signed and that the war was over. And, and they make it a point to being like, yeah, it's been over for about four hours. Yep. Yep. So, and you know, the, and it's the weirdest it's one of those things in movies where it's like it stands out to you so much based on everything else you're watching it's like they did that for a reason and i guarantee mm. you they're going to call back to it and oh they did and they do they 100 <laughs> percent do so it, it's kind they of a back nice to it bookend. a couple times actually it's a nice bookend to the movie if i cared more about marvin's character than i did but i don't really care about him and i don't really see here's the thing and i i imagine they bookended this like this and i want i want you to riff on this for me a bit if you can but i imagine they call it back and they bring it back because they want to you know maybe this has haunted him over the years or maybe this is something that he's carried with him that he took one more life that he didn't have to take in 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 the war you know the war was already over but he killed somebody else because he makes it a point where his commander is like well you didn't know the war was over and marvin's like yeah. he did you know and if i had seen him carrying the scars of that if i had seen him bearing that at all whatsoever through the runtime of this movie it would have mattered more to me when it happens again at the end of world war ii he stabs a german who's you know basically waving the waving the flyer that says germany surrendered the war is over you know, and in that case, that German, they find out he's still alive and, you know, Marvin's character does everything he can to save him, which is great. Yeah. Trying to make it a, a redemption for what happened at right. the beginning. And and I love that. And I love that they bookend it with that. But what I think they would have been better served with is and I mean, films, especially you, you got to remember in the in like the 70s and stuff like that. This stuff wasn't nearly like post-traumatic stress for soldiers and things like that. It wasn't nearly as as discussed or or, or touched on or mm -hmm. thought about as it is today. And even though you do have Hamill's character who who touches on a lot of that kind of stuff too, which we can talk about, but I don't know. Like, did when you watch this movie, and I mean, as a kid or you know, as a as a critic now or anything like that, do you get anything out of Marvin's character where you feel like at all like this bookend is even? Like it makes any sense to you or like you care about it at all or no? Um, I mean, when I was younger, no. I mean, when I was younger, I was just like, oh, I'm just watching this war movie. So I, I didn't think too Young much. Young Brad in, just wanted to it. see boobs. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but watching it now, like they, they try throughout the movie to kind of 
show you that that he was scarred by this you know from his comments to, that it's not murder we're just killing and and calling them we're killing it's like killing animals killing animals yep and then showing the the german um i guess it would be a german sergeant kind of the same rank almost as him mirroring him as like you know hard nose it's what we do we we just kill them to you know when he gets when they get to the ambush where he sees that statue which was at the beginning of the movie where it's kind of like we're back in that place and he kind of you kind of see it in his face yep. of like oh i'm back here again to the way he the to the way he treats children to where he's like you know they're they're just innocence in this even though you know he's hard-nosed and he's you know quote unquote we're just killing the animals but then he's a softy with the kids to put the flowers in his helmet the kid who had the dying mom all the way to the the kid at the end who he saves from a concentration camp and then you know spends time with him and the child dies basically in his arms which yeah. which is i mean, I mean I don't care who you are like like Holocaust stuff always cuts me it doesn't matter yeah. it doesn't matter how into or not into a movie I am like Holocaust stuff like and it's the same thing with with Hamill's character Hamill's character has this thing like he's supposed to be the sharpshooter he's introduced yeah. as the sharpshooter because he must have been in in training and everything he must have been like the guy but he freezes up when he gets into combat like he can't fire his weapon like he just he freezes up and then he has that great moment at the end as well, where he finds the German hiding in inside of one of the ovens inside of one of the crematoriums at a concentration camp. And so Hamill, they like, just like, it's like every shot he wished he had taken all throughout that yeah. movie. He like did, he's well, just the, kind of unloading it in, in like, cause he, he opened a furnace before that and he sees all the bones and he sees all that, mm -hmm. all that stuff in there. And it's not like it's, it's not as gruesome as a film today would show it. And it's not, it oh, doesn't no, have no. the same kind of, image that say like a like a, a band of brothers or or anything like that where they do that a lot more justice or even like a schindler's list or, or whatever so it's a lot more sanitized like you only get like a couple of those shots and like when they open like one of the bunkers you know that all the all the jews are being kept in they just show like a couple of shots of their eyes and stuff mm -hmm. like it doesn't show you like the super emaciated people and all that kind of stuff like it sanitizes it at least a little bit because again it was made at the end of the 70s yeah and that's kind of how that's just how, how they were it. made then so. yeah it's just it's just how they did it so you've seen here and here's the thing about this movie's not bad and i enjoyed a lot of things about this movie as just kind of a general viewing experience but i promise you especially if you're a modern film viewer like me if you've seen a lot of modern war movies if you love modern war movies like i do if you literally like watch things like band of brothers or the pacific on repeat you've seen all the stuff in this movie done way better you have just because war directors have built on things like samuel fuller did in this movie modernized them more and made them that much better but yeah like you still see like there are still those great moments like when they're at normandy when they're on the beach and they have to move the bangalores up to blow their way through the barbed wire to be able to open up the like it's literally that that's literally saving private ryan it's literally the entire point of the the you know that that's that's normandy like i mean you can't really do much different with a, <laughs> a normandy invasion movie yeah or a Normandy invasion scene, I guess. Like, no, is it, is it Spielberg? Is it that same impact? Of course not. 
but you still feel it like you still feel like there is all the all the squibs and all the explosions and that's one of the best things about this movie i think because stock sound effects aside yeah it still has a lot of like really really great all those great practical effects like i love seeing all that war machinery like i love seeing all of the stuff that they obviously had to get in here except for in that d-day scene just the one boat in the back it's this one boat in the background in the channel just floating around this is there the whole time literally in because there's only one i think there's like one camera set up in in the d-day scene I don't think oh, yeah, it cuts with, with, with except the, for when it shows French. them running up the beach. <laughs> it's just that one shot of all of oh, them kind afford. of crouched behind the ridge. <laughs> I yeah. I mean, going going back to um, Mark Hamill really quick, like he isn't in like he doesn't get a lot of scenes to to really like make his own. He I mean he has a few good scenes like when he has to when they're calling numbers, you know, moving them, they're like, number one, number two, and they, they got to keep running. That Which one gets really, gunned down. It's number just, three. It's so sad to watch. It really, really is, but that's war, man. And then it gets to him, and then, you know, he eventually makes it, and like like you said, with the, he's the sharpshooter, and he couldn't hit anything, but then when he opens that, the crematorium and that German soldier's there and the German soldier just keeps trying to trying to shoot him. It's just like click, click, mm-hmm. click, click. And he just like, he just snaps and just like, it just keeps firing and firing and firing. And it's just like those, I know it's a, it's a, you know, late seventies type of movie. It would show it. It would be much more graphic if, if they made it now, yeah. but still for a movie, you know, from 1980, it's still, to me like one of those like you could just see it in his face of yeah. hey this is mark hamill he got a he got a chance to show that <laughs> he can he can act but yeah. he did a he did a great performance in this movie as well i really really liked hamill in it i liked all the squad guys i mean you know if it i mean it, 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 it it's a it's a war movie so i mean it just kind of yeah. has your prototypical you know and they're all your prototype soldiers characters yeah exactly like I mean, you have the italian guy you oh, have yeah. <laughs> it has that same scene you've seen you know they're like they're on the they're on the they're on the ship or whatever and he's sitting there why do we want to whop in this man's army you know like you know because we have to toss in all of our all of our you know super colorful colorful you know ethnic slurs and xenophobic yeah. slurs and stuff that we don't use anymore like gotta throw us some crowd in there you gotta throw us some whop and you gotta throw all these <laughs> words in there but again it's 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 all that kind of stuff where you can see like what was it we reviewed oh last american virgin when we talked about it in the canon quarantine series like that was a movie that came out it was kind of one of the forebearers of the teen sex comedy that became a huge thing in the 80s and you know like i'm not gonna say big red one is like um you know one of the first war movies or anything because obviously they've been making war movies as long as they've been making movies or whatever but i mean in terms of a more modern war movie like in terms of a more modern feel to a war movie you definitely start to feel some of that. Like you definitely start to feel like, especially some of the noise, like some of the, some of the sound design, like, especially, like I said, especially the tanks and things like that, moving like the machinery and whatnot. And you know, this for, for this movie, for its time period, it's a movie that I don't feel, I don't feel it glorifies war. And I think you expect that out of older war movies, you expect it to be like, rah, rah, you know, go America, go patriotism. Especially when you, 
when the movie starts and you hear that theme going, it 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 has that like rah rah. It, it is go exactly American music. the same. It is exactly the same war movie soundtrack you have heard in every war movie made yeah. from like 1940 to 1980. <laughs> it's yes. a lot of that like military snare drum, like 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 literally bugles. You name it, it's in there. It's literally stock standard, man. Stock standard. And and you from that beginning you are expecting it to be like this like okay go america because even even they they make references to you know his american armband his flag and like we wear this because because we're americans coming in kind of thing and then it doesn't really turn out quite like that which is and it, i which is such I think a weird I mentioned scene it to before. watch you you're you're talking about the tanks and the sounds and like one i mentioned this one of my favorite scenes is when those tanks are coming and they run and they have to dig the holes really quick yep. so they can get down in them. And as the tanks are, are going over them, like you just see their helmets. And I did read something that the timing of the screams, that it makes it seem like those soldiers are being hurt. But he said that's uh, Samuel Fuller said, that's what we did. Like the tanks come over us and you just take that moment to scream out any of your terror or fear at that moment because mm-hmm. they can't hear you. Which is great. And it's it's great to read about different things like that in in the thing. Because, I mean, again, this is based on Fuller's own experiences in World yeah. War II. And that's a great little, like, I mean, could you imagine, can you imagine digging a hole and hiding, crouched in a hole while a fucking tank rolls over top of you? Can you even imagine? No, I couldn't even imagine that. Like, Jesus Christ. I, I would probably do... I mean, basically like they did and where they just kind of freaked out and just ran like I would probably snap too, and be like, no, I can't do this. Yeah. And then like, you know, like digging the holes and then like, I mean, literally like, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like if you think about it contextually, like, yeah, of course you're going to do nothing, but like absolutely just scream as loud as you can, because that tank is so loud. Nobody's hearing anything. Nobody's hearing anything. Like we have the benefit of being a movie audience that's watching it on our home setups. Even if we have a great stereo system or whatever, it's not nearly as loud as it was when they were in those foxholes. No, no, no. Not even close, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like forget about it like we can only hear the screams because they 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 tweaked up the sound in in, yeah. in the mix like so that we can hear them like if they just like played like the actual audio of that happening we'd never hear those guys like you'd never hear it and as a kid and you know watching it earlier on i always thought that scene like those people were getting crushed i, yeah, I, I thought that too i thought that too until i read that I think it was until recently I I thought, oh, they're just a lot of these people are dying right here. I was like, oh, man, is the movie over? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't I didn't know it was going to be over already. Shit. Now, I know this film, like one of the characters is an author in it, and a lot of it was was based off of Samuel Fuller is an author and he wrote a book and everything before he was in service but they set up this film to be like you're following his book and he's narrating it as you go along as he's writing it's not it. one of your favorite things yeah and 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 here's the thing here's the thing um there are moments in the movie when it's used to describe things that very very easily could have just been left on the screen for us mm-hmm. to see and 
here's one it, it, it commits one of the worst sins i think of either voiceover or narration where it's just telling us what we're already looking at it's like i can see this i yeah. don't need you to tell it to me because it's kind of like it's kind of like talking down to your audience it's like did you get it did you get it wink wink yeah it's like, like it, i really really hate it when it's used like that fortunately the film doesn't use it too much it really only does it whenever it transitions to a new point in time like whenever yeah they move they, from one location to another and the time jumps ahead in the war to kind of let you know that hey we're not in that same spot anymore yeah. we're, i mean we're moving it, on. I, it does it adds nothing to the film it adds absolutely nothing to the film it is not it is by far not the most egregious use of any kind of, of voiceover work or narration in a film, but it doesn't add anything to the film either. It's, it's 100% pointless because like I would say probably 80% of it is just him telling us stuff that we're watching anyway. Like we're already seeing it. It's like yeah. the, the scene at the mental hospital when, you know, they, they go in and they, and they kill all the Germans and whatnot. And they get into that gunfight in the cafeteria with the Germans, which is a great scene. I actually love that whole mental hospital scene where they're like trying to stealth in and trying to, you know, and the, and the girls mm -hmm. going around with the razor blade and slitting their throats and stuff. That's oh, really, yeah, yeah. really great. That is great. But then, you know, the one mental patient picks up the MP40 and just starts shooting. He's like, he's like, I'm like you, I'm sane. He's holding the gun and he's like, he's obviously a crazy person and he's sitting there going and you know like i really like that scene but then you have the narration come on as it transit transitions to the next scene and he's like he's like i didn't know if he was right or not you know when you're in it when you're in a crazy situation like that you know when you're in a situation like that it's hard to know who's the crazy one and who's not it's like yeah but we already got that from what you shot on the screen <laughs> one on the screen and from his dialogue you didn't need to then go into voiceover and be like are you sure you got what we were going for here just in case you didn't yeah, and that, and as a when I watched it as a kid, that's probably something for me as a kid who didn't, you know, you're watching it younger, you probably yeah. don't understand everything. So to me, the voiceover is like, oh, okay, yeah. now I can now I can follow along to what's yeah. going on. Which I mean, I mean, I guess if you're going to have a war movie for kids, this is probably about <laughs> as sanitized of a war movie as you could possibly get. Yeah, yeah, there's not too much blood in it. Uh, the one scene with Lee Marvin where the, the you know, they always have the, they make the joke multiple times about the the young troops coming in and they just kind of keep dying and rotating yeah, through. Yeah, the replacements and stuff. And they, they have the one that hits the tripwire and he picks up one of his testicles. He's like, ah, you got two. And he like yep. tosses it yep. over his great. shoulder. That was a great scene. <laughs> great, great scene. Could you imagine? I, I know this was originally... Um, they wanted John Wayne to be the Lee Marvin role, <sighs> and I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I could see that. Uh, I kind of wish, I honest to God, I kind of wish we didn't get, we didn't get Lee Marvin in it either. I kind of wish we'd gotten somebody, but then they couldn't have done. I, and I mean, I guess they justify Lee Marvin because they're like, oh, but no, look, we wrote this bookend that goes back to the first world war and yeah. he comes back to the same place in the second world war. So he's basically just in the same place. And then the same thing happens to him at the end of the second world war is the first. And it's this whole thematic thing. And we're wrapping it all in this big, but he doesn't die. He gets you. redemption that, Oh, he, he doesn't gets to save the guy now. And it's like, yeah. yeah, I don't think here's the, I like Lee Marvin. I've seen him in a lot of different things where, you know, Westerns and stuff where, where I like him. Like he's, he's, I don't think he's a bad actor. I just don't think he's really right for this either. He doesn't bring any energy to it. He's very like you think about like the gruff, stoic male character 
that's mm-hmm. like hardened, like literally carved out of leather and like as hard ass as hard ass can be and like doesn't use dialogue unless he needs to and doesn't emote unless he needs to. Yeah, that's Lee Marvin in this movie. But the problem is, is he's <laughs> he's pretty much your main protagonist because you just don't get a lot of the four guys, the four riflemen in the squad. It's true. Yeah, he's pretty much your main character because you're following him more often than not. And you kind of only meet the other four characters and, and interact with the other four characters when he weaves in and out of their story, which I thought was an odd choice when you're fuller. And this is autobiographical. Now, Private Zab in the movie, uh, Robert Carradine's character is basically fuller for all intents and purposes. Like a lot of the stuff that Fuller wrote in the movie that happened to him in the war is stuff that Zab does. Yeah. So you know for me it's like i just it's weird that he wrote this autobiographical novel and film and directed it but then made it from someone else's point of view but his own and i wonder if that had to have been a studio decision i would imagine like something like that well i did i did read the studio did get a hold of it i think that's why they they came out with the the reconstruction, the reconstruction trying to get yeah. it more of his full um because yeah, this thing's like entirely from lee marvin's character's point of view and like the fuller character zab you know private zab the character that is basically fulfilling fuller's role here is basically just kind of sidelined you and know he's our he's our narrator too yeah so it's, it's like just, he's narrating his book you know, it's just it. I think, and like I said, I, I think I think it, it's not a bad movie, and I think especially if you're somebody who likes war movies, especially older war movies, just for the time, just for the aesthetic of the time, uh, you know, it's got a different energy. So make sure you go into it oh. with that mindset. But yeah, I go, still enjoy knowing time it's a it. it's a World War II movie that was that's forty years old. So yeah. you you kind of know what type of movie you're getting. I mean the the michael bays and all that type of like in your face quick we got to cut fast yep. you're not going to get that here you know the crazy thing is is that this movie is now further away from us than world war ii was when this movie was made world war ii had only been over for 35 years when this movie was made wow so yeah we're further away from this movie now than this movie was away from the war when it was made that's crazy wow god yeah, and you get a lot of uh, those cutaway yet? shots of you know kind of like the artsy shots where they have the the arm with the watch going through the water, and then when they cut back I to really, it, really, really the water's that. red. Yeah, I've really, really liked that. And you got to, you've got again. That's why you've got to think like a director like Spielberg, who's you know making a favorite Private Ryan. You have to imagine that he sees Big Red One and he sees like, oh, I mean, of course, there's, yeah. you know, soldiers accounts from it that talk about the water being so much blood in the water that it was red. But you have to imagine it was like Spielberg watching this, you know, and taking homage from it and being like, I'm going to include this as part of a thing in Saving Private Ryan as well. I did like the watch thing, though, like it just kind of shows the the passage of time during the battle. It shows you mm-hmm. how long those soldiers were pinned on that beach, you know, just under constant gunfire, constant machine gunfire, constantly being shelled. Like, it's it's crazy. It's absolutely insane to think about. Just, man. Yeah. And you don't get, granted, like, Saving Private Ryan makes it a little more real for you. But, yeah. I mean, this. This doesn't make it real. This makes you a spectator yeah. in it, not a participant in it. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're just you're you're a spectator watching it on the sidelines or from wherever the camera is. You're not down in the trenches. You're not, you know, like you're not in, in the water going up and down. E- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I did. I did enjoy my time with it, though. So I would I would very highly recommend it uh, if you're a fan of older war movies. But if you're somebody coming at it from the first time like me, check your expectations, because, again, you've seen all this done better since. But you definitely see you know, the kind of one of the, one of the forebears in the modern yeah. war movie, I would say. You, you could, like you said, definitely see where a lot of these more modern ones ha- have gotten influence from. Exactly. Exactly. And that, and that makes it worth it alone. Plus Mark Hamill guys, Mark Hamill. Yeah. And it's Mark Hamill right after a new hope. So it's... sexy young Mark Hamill, <sighs> just like uh Lee Marvin, you get a sexy, not so young, not even close. <laughs> Not he was only fifty four, but only my 50, God in heaven! Yeah, if you go watch this, remember that that he is only fifty four while watching this movie. This is, of course, the era of Hollywood where everyone smoked like a chimney. Oh, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> all of them looked about thirty years older than they actually were. Nowadays, it's like we 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 see stars, and the stars they're so much older than they look because of all the different things they do all the treatments all the surgeries all the yeah all the different supplements and diets and all those different kind of things they have access to now it's like the exact flip side of what hollywood used to be like everybody smoked so much by the time somebody was 40 they looked like they were 97 yeah so and yeah another another uh war movie trope you get in this is the one character that's always chewing a cigar yep <laughs> i love that scene at the end where <laughs> you know marvin smacks the cigar out of his mouth it's like i told you no lights after night yeah and they're like, no, but the war is over. over. <laughs> it's been over for four hours. Oh, like, oh. Anything else you want to wrap up on with this film, Brad? I mean, this this was a I film that you requested me to watch. So, yeah, I don't I don't think so. Like, I I just enjoy the movie, and I like you said, if you're a fan of war movies and especially older war movies, you should seek this out. Or if you want to see where a lot of these modern movies were influenced, seek it out because it's. And it's slower. Just know people, it's it's much slower. It's not all about the battles. They, it's more about the, you know, characters a, a little bit more. Yeah. Lee Marvin, anyways. Definitely. <laughs> so, all right. So, Brad, uh, really quickly before we run away, uh, can you please let our audience know? I mean, they should know by now. You've been here enough times, guys. Been check here out like a hundred guys times. if you haven't. But let us know where they can find you out there on the web. Uh, well, you can find the Cinema Guys at wearethecinemaguys.com, and we have everything you need up there. Or you can find I'll Get a Burger. We don't have a website, but just search for I'll Get a Burger on Twitter, Instagram, in your podcatcher. You can find us there. We have fun with that one. Great show. Gonna, so make sure you tune in. Thank you again, Nick, for having me on. I, I'm I'm having so much fun doing these anniversaries with you. Yeah, these are these are these are so much fun, and these are you know it gives it gives all of our listeners a break from Justin and Loy sauce, which is the thing that we all know <laughs> they want more than anything. And you pull out a movie like The Big Red One, where I'm sure a lot of people are like, I've never even heard of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. I definitely, I would definitely, definitely recommend checking it out. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for myself for Brad, for Justin, and our very, very own God of Podcasting. I didn't, I didn't want to do him. I didn't want to do him wrong <laughs> twice. I really, I did, he'd have gotten so mad at me. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so, so much for listening. Until next time, we will see you at 
the movies. 